All right, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you that we can come into your presence and worship you and just enter in to who you are more deeply, Lord. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We pray that as I speak today, that the words I speak will be spoken with clarity and that they will be received and bear fruit in our lives, Lord. Help us to just quiet our thoughts, to think deeply, to take hold of what you want to say to each one of us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Ivan, can I just get you to run that for me? I've actually got a little clip this morning. Some of you might have seen it probably last year when we started learning about just the heavenly realms and how God wants us to step in and the whole world, that he, a new world that he has for us. When we become Christians, it like opens up the supernatural. And one of the best ways I can explain how we step into that supernatural realm and, and to not look just with our natural eyes but to see with our spiritual eyes is uh, this little clip that some of you will recognize when you see it. Because Colossians 1, 3 verse 1 says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not of things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're actually meant to set our mind, our thoughts on heaven and what God is doing because he says you're actually seated in heavenly places. Does that not mean that you know, we have a physical body, but we also have a spiritual, supernatural body, a spirit. And that spirit, when you become a Christian, when you ask Jesus into your life, it becomes alive and you can experience heaven. You know, we've made death a doorway to heaven and the Bible never says that. It actually says you're seated, at, seated in heavenly places. It says to set your mind on where you're seated. And uh, it says in John chapter 10, it says that, you know, he is the door. And that we can go in and out and find pasture. Yeah? And it's like just that we would step into those places and to open our spiritual eyes. Because boy, do we go by our natural eyes too often, don't we? It's like if something's happened, we look with our natural eyes instead of going, God, what do you you want me to see here? And uh, I've started to say, thank you, Lord, that I see with my spiritual eyes. Thank you, Lord, that I hear with my spiritual ears. Because when you do that, you start to tap in to what Jesus, when he walked the earth, tapped in. He would look at situations and everybody else would say it was impossible. Lazarus dead in the, in the tomb for three days. And yet he walked up to it and said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because he was seeing with his spiritual eyes what was possible in the supernatural. When he looked at somebody who was paralyzed, he didn't see that they couldn't. He, he, he saw that they would be up walking. When he saw somebody who was blind or deaf, he, he saw in the supernatural and he said, all things are possible for those who believe. Yeah, so we have to get in the habit, and it's actually a discipline, it's a spiritual discipline of not just looking with our natural physical eyes, but looking in the supernatural. Because we are as he is, we are as Jesus is, he's in us, we're in him, and as he, whatever he does, we can do. Whatever he does, we can do, which is pretty cool. Read through the Gospels, that's what you, he wants us to be doing. Not that we, we freak out when something happens, but that we go, Lord, let me step into the supernatural realm and operate how you operated. 
He was never afraid when some, you know, a disaster happened or somebody died or somebody came to him with a, with a problem that seemed impossible or some demon manifested. He just dealt with it. Why? Because he didn't look with the natural eyes. He looked at the supernatural. So Ivan's going to run a clip in, in a second. And it's just that C.S. Lewis, he understood this, and it's a clip from Narnia, that we step through the door. And Jesus is that door. And there's a curtain that's going to fall down. And that curtain represents the curtain that was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus died and rose again. The separation between us being able to commune with God in spiritual realms and heavenly realms was separated. It was done away. So when you see that curtain fall down off the cupboard, that represents what Jesus did. And that he is the door and we can step through into his world. So I just... Want you to just ponder on that as we um, watch this clip. Thanks, Ivan. It's uh, quite profound when you think about it in the sense of how we step through into Jesus and just uh, start to relate to him in that supernatural place, that it is just like walking through that door and walking into his whole new world. Not that it's full of snow, but, you know, there is <laughs> God, loves, God loves snow, so I'm sure that in some places there is snow in heaven. But uh, 
You know, there's a higher reality um, than what we see. And God wants us to see and he wants us to hear it. He wants us to fulfill our purpose and reach those who don't know him. And uh, we need to be operating not just on a physical level but on a supernatural level to be able to do the job that he's called us to do. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And uh, we need to be in a higher dimension, a higher reality, just than what we can see or feel or taste or hear. And so just, I just want you to remember that as I talk about actually hearing from God and seeing what God sees and that that's the space that God wants us to live in. It's uh, engaging heaven because then we transform earth. And actually, actually, Philip and I have been toying with that actual vision statement at the moment, engaging heaven and transforming earth because that's what God's, God's called us to do. And uh, we have to step through into that realm. But one of, the th- one of the things as I thought about that, that prevents us being able to know God and to see him more and to hear him and to experience him on that higher dimension and higher level than just maybe just singing songs or you pray to him, but actually just knowing him more fully. Because as the girls sang this morning or the guys sang this morning, um, that he wants us to go deeper. He wants us to know him and the realities and the fullness of who he is. And it's not just, you know, putting your hand up at a service and saying, God, you know, I asked you into my heart. Jesus, forgive me my sin. That's great. But there's so much more that he wants us to experience in him. And there's so much more that he wants us to take our place. Take our place. You know, we're, we're called out to govern and to take authority and and to move in the supernatural. But there's one thing I've, ex- I've realized that gets in the way of us experiencing and stepping into that, and that's our thought life. So this morning, even though it all sounded very spirit, I'm going to talk about something that is very in the natural, because when we get hold of how we deal with the natural, then it helps us to step more deeply and consistently in the supernatural realms. So I actually want to talk about the issue and it's our thoughts. And uh, a few months ago, I preached a message, a couple of messages on switching on your brain. And some of you downloaded the book and got all excited. Did anybody read the whole thing? No. It's called Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a neuroscientist and she's always also a Christian. And she's written this pretty amazing book about just how the Bible and science are coming together. And, you know, any neuroscience worth their, you know, salt is, is that they... Now realizing just that your thoughts are not, you've got them and your brain's set that way and that's the way it is and you're stuck that way, that, you're all, all, that you actually have neuroplasticity, which means it's changing and it's changeable and, and that your thought patterns affect your brain and if your thought patterns and what you're thinking affects every cell of your body and that you have genetic expression and, and you know that you can unlock or unzip things in your gen- genetics according to your thought patterns. You know, which is an exciting thing because regardless of what might have happened in your family tree, your genetic expression does not make you, it doesn't make you, um, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. You either unzip or keep the things zipped up in, because of your thought life in your brain, because of what you think and what affects your heart and all the chemicals and, and it just bang, 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 reactions come through. So we don't have to live in fear and that's why Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, it's in the Bible. It's been there all along. Science is just catching up with the Bible. 
which I think is really, really exciting. So if you haven't heard of me talk about it before, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Karen Leaf. I highly recommend you have a read of it because it will just help you with some of, some of the stuff that we get thrown at us through life. And it's exciting and you can help others. You know, I've been sharing with some of Shara's uni friends and they're so excited because they're studying the brain. They're studying their bodies and they hear all the stuff that can go wrong and not hope. We've got hope in here. Amen? There's hope in here. And so it's important that we understand how, how our bodies work, how our thought life affects our spiritual life. Because this is the thing that gets in the way of people at being able to experience God in all his fullness. So the power of our thinking and how our brain works. And God wants us to be hearing and he wants us to be thinking about what he is saying. Now too often we're so bogged down in our little stuff that he's going, come over here. I've got something for you to do. And we're like, oh, no, I've just got to do this. I'm so stressed out or I'm so worried and you're all foggy and you can't concentrate and you're not listening because your thought life is all in a shambles. Yes, it's in chaos. And, uh, and um, you know, we talked about multitasking. Who's a multitasker? Come on, admit it. Robert, are you not a multitasker? Sometimes. Multi, every, every woman, I think, women are very good at multitasking. And uh, you know that it actually causes brain damage. It's actually really bad for our brain because we don't ever do anything just deeply. We're like little, you know, over here and over there. And I was doing that one morning after, because <laughs> God doesn't let you up. Just because you're a preacher doesn't mean he lets you off. He like just sticks it to you. <laughs> and I was busy, you know, I walk around the house and I'll collect things on me. And I'll stick things in my pocket, I'll peg things to myself, I'll be carrying this and doing that. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, what are you doing? I said, I'm just doing what I normally do. And he says, yes, you're multitasking and it's causing damage. He says, you need to just think through and do, don't laugh at me, think through and just do, do things, you know, slowly and efficiently. And, you know, because, you know, you get to start one thing, I'm going to move you, again. <laughs> You start one thing and then you get over here and you don't finish it. And our thoughts, we start thinking about something and then we get interrupted and we don't come back to it. So we never think deeply and reflectively. And it's not good for us. It's not good for our brain because it sends chemical reactions all over our bodies and it affects every single cell of our body. It's quite profound. I won't, try and, I won't get too sciencey, but I get excited about this because I can see how science matches with the word. And I love the word, and I go by the word, and I live by it. But when I can see the world catching up with the word, I get excited because it means that it's relevant, in, you know, more relevant than people thinking, oh, that's just the Bible. Science is matching what the Bible says. So multitasking causes chaos, I'll just let you know. We need to deep, reflective thinking to have health both in our brains and in our spirits. You know, you would look at the mindfulness. If you go through even to some of, what's it, Kiki K, the Kiki, what's that stationery shop? Kiki K, I am right. They've even got mindfulness journals. And if you go into Big W at the moment, they've got these little books for adults where you can colour in. And it's all peaceful and nature. I have one. My daughter bought me one. Told me to buy one. <laughs> and uh, because the world is catching up, with the power behind what has been in God's word all the time, that we need to slow down, we need to think reflectively and deeply. And uh, so I'm going to give you some points. There's five points. If you haven't got a pen, just listen to the uh, on iTunes or on the podcast again. But if you have a pen, I just want to um, go through five things that help us just to 
understand the power of our thoughts because if we can get hold of our thought life, then God can get in and speak. And when God gets in and speaks, then he brings clarity, he brings peace, he brings purpose, he shows you the plans he has for you. And we're not cluttered up or bogged down with the past and disappointments and hurts and genetic stuff and fear because we are thinking as God thinks. So that's why it's so important and why I'm so excited about this because I can see what God is up to. He gets hold of our thoughts and and shows us what is the potential in us. We're going to be unstoppable, which is the whole plan all along. So point one, gather your thoughts. Because you have a lot of thoughts going on. Some of them are in your non-conscious, and that's why we dream often. And it's like you gather your thoughts, move from your thought from a non-conscious place to a conscious thought. We're very good at squashing down pain and hurt. You know, we lay, we just put aside things that are hard to deal with because it's just too hard. And, you know, we've been talking all year about that God wants to restore us. And to restore us, he has to, you know, sand back and get down to that stuff that's been squished down. You know, if you had a piece of furniture and it's beaten up, you don't just throw a lick of paint over the top of it. It'll start to bubble and it will never look and be restored like it was meant to be. So you've got to let God get down. And so if we take the time to gather our thoughts, because we think in circuits and columns. This is where I get sciencey. We think in circuits and columns, not just a single area of our brain thinks. When information enters our brain, it signals create a cascading activity. And the brain is getting ready to build on that thought. So, you know, it moves from an existing memory... Linked, is linked in some way to the incoming. That's why when somebody says something, like I'll use us as an example, Philip was uh, talking about his job situation. Everybody knows he's, he's, um, he works um, during the week as well as pastoring, and uh, his job situation is a bit dicey at the moment. And he was talking about business, and I'm thinking, oh, he said, oh, maybe I should start a business. Well, you know what I did? I heard that thought. I heard that coming at me, but straight away I went to my dad who went bankrupt three times and was, had a great ideas but was not a good businessman. And I was like, straight away, that memory, that thought that I realised I hadn't dealt with, it's been sitting there, went, ah, no, 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 and I reacted, didn't I? <laughs> just a bit, I, was, I didn't throw a hissy fit, I just reacted because that memory that has been ingrained in my thinking process that I realised I hadn't dealt with came up and it affected the information, the thought that Philip had given me. You see how powerful our thoughts are? And then if we don't go back and deal with stuff and let God uncover them, they affect everything we do and think and act out of. How we think is important. Our attitudes are affected by it. Because when we think, we also feel. Thoughts are like a trees in a forest. That's probably an easy way to explain it. And signals sweep through the trees and will activate four to seven thought trees, which are our memories. And then they move. When, they, when those thoughts move through the trees and they, and they activate things in our brain, then that's when it comes from a non-conscious thought to a conscious thought. Your brain is busy all the time. And so when we think, we feel because that thought is swept through and activated all these memories. 
Now, if you're like me, I'm a scatter thinker, so I'm thinking 10 things at once. Some people think differently, but I'm like, I can get from this point to here. And, and Philip goes, how did you get to there? I'm like, well, I just thought about it. But it's like when we think, we also feel because thoughts have emotional component as well as information. When I thought along with, thought comes along with its emotions, it bubbles up, it comes to the conscious mind. So you have non-conscious thoughts all the time that affect how you feel. And if we never stop and we never gather and we never think and focus deeply, we've got all this stuff going on in our non-conscious mind that, w- that is in there affecting every cell of our body that we aren't understanding that's affecting how we see the world and our attitudes and how we act. Do you see why where God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Attitudes have emotions attached to them. An attitude will be revealed no matter how much you try to hide it. And attitudes aren't harmless. Attitudes, positive or negative, have a profound effect on our brain and our body. When a thought plus its emotions or attitude moves into your conscious mind, it produces a signal. Now, I want you to listen up. Don't get lost on the science of this because this is how God has designed us. And he's designed us to be deep thinkers and to have joy and peace. But when our thought life is up the chute, that's when things go wrong. So our hypothalamus, did I say it right, Shara? Hypothalamus responds to our emotional state of mind. It's a little thing in our brains and it uh, responds to the attitude, it responds to the signal. And it alerts, so when you think something, there's all these different parts of your brain go into action and they send signals and chemicals. And uh, it's like a pulsing heart and your thought life going like this, responding to your emotions. And that, effect, and that function in the hypothalamus affects how you function intellectually and emotionally. So when you worry, your hypothalamus will respond by releasing chemicals more than it should. And the pituitary gland releases too many chemicals. So you've got a worry thought. The hypothalamus works overtime, spewing out all these chemicals that then send the pituitary gland into overtime. And uh, the result is actually neurochemical chaos in your brain. There's a reason why God said, do not be anxious for anything. Do not worry. I've got it. Cast all your cares upon me. Roll all your works over to me. I'll make your path straight. You know, we cannot always control the outward circumstances, but we can control what we're thinking. And that's why God says, bring it to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God knew that we would have trials and tribulations, but he also knew how to get us through. Because the rest of that verse is, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. If we just get into his way of doing things and being right, we're not going to mess up our lives and our bodies by living outside of his best plan for us. Too often we think, I've got this, I can do it. And it's not until we come to some crisis that we suddenly grab hold of God and say, God, please help. That's great because he's always there. Tell me, how many of us do that? You're going along, I've got this because we love to be independent and just, you know, run the show ourselves. And then when we hit a wall and we can't do anything anymore, then we yell out to God. Thank God for his grace. But he wants us to live whole and healthy lives and to have his thoughts and his way of doing things and being right. And so we've got to watch out so that all our bodies are affected by our thought life. 
And there's a whole lot of chemical reactions that go on with your thought and your attitudes. Don't think that it's all just hidden. It's actually working in a way even when you're not aware of it. So we're encouraged to gather our thoughts. You know, when you're worried, change of attitude and apply God's advice not to worry. And when we do that, our hypothalamus will secrete chemicals that facilitate feelings of peace and rest. And your brain will respond by secreting correct formula of neurotransmitters. So when we actually do what God says, he re- the body releases the right things. So we're not sending our bodies and our brains into chaos. And, and I thought it was really, really exciting when I read this. You know that the incoming information when you think something or you're told something or you hear something is still a temporary state. It's not lodged in your memory or your spirit, which defines who you are. It's, it doesn't, just because you think something doesn't mean that it stays there. It takes 24 to 48 hours for a thought to lodge in and start to affect the chemicals and releases in your brain and the rest of your body. So you think, you don't have to panic. Oh, I can't think that. You just take that thought and you gather it. And I'll tell you the next few steps as we go along. And we don't have to live in fear. We just have to live reflectively and focused. Now, amygdala, amygdala is it? Amygdala. Amygdala is the, is the other part of the brain. It's like a brain, which is this little arm in shape in our brain, and it's designed to keep you emotionally alert. And when we become toxic in our thinking, it steps up to protect us from any threat to our body and mind, such as the dangerous stress. It's designed to deal. Now, I want you to listen to this, because this is how God created us. He created us in his image. That amygdala, it's good having Sarah there, amygdala is designed to deal with positive love-based emotions like joy and happiness, but it doesn't work as well when you're in a negative state of mind. It doesn't work as well. Our brains are designed to live a certain way with our thoughts being in the pattern of what God says. The thalamus is another part of the brain next to that, and it acts like a transmitter station alerting the amygdala of any incoming info from the five senses. So when you build a memory, you're activating emotions. So you see how your brain all works together and you can't just think, oh, I can just think. Nobody else can see what I'm thinking. It's, you know, or you listen to something or you read something and you, and you don't really think about what you're thinking about. We need to be thinking about what we're thinking about. Now, I, I talk about getting rid of our stinking thinking because a stinking thinking does bad things to the rest of us. We need to think about what we're thinking about. The side part of it is that we, even if we have thoughts and we know they're not lining up with God says, there is opportunity for us to take that thought and go, do I want that to be part of my life or not? And the great part about free will, which was God's design, is we get to choose. We get to choose to think about, are these going to be just temporary thoughts or are they going to be things that become part of who I am? Because if they could become part of who you are, then they affect every part of you. Not just your thoughts, but every cell. Every cell of your body. You get to choose. If you don't stop thinking about a negative thought, or if you keep on thinking about a positive thought, it actually goes to a part of the brain called the hippocampus, 
we'll just call it hippo for thought short. It's a clearinghouse for our thoughts and it converts thoughts into permanent thoughts that become part of who we are. And you know where most of that happens? When you're asleep. Which is why I guess God said, read my word in the morning and at night. And Philip says, bookend your day with God's word. Because when it becomes part of who you are is when you have, um, when you're sleeping. This is where we have to think seriously and reflect, do I want this information that I've been thinking about all day and maybe haven't reflected on and dealt with and done something about, do I want that to become part of who I am? Maybe it'll change what we do if you think about that a little bit more. What are we doing before we go off to sleep? What have we been thinking about? You know, that's why he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm. <laughs> the Bible has always been true and the science is just catching up. The hippocampus is, campus is vulnerable to stress because it's rich in stress receptors used to reinforce your memories. It's like little tiny doorways on cells that receive chemical information. And excess stress is like an explosion that causes the hippocampus to lose cells and shrink. So when you're too stressed and you're continually stressed and you don't deal with that stress, it leads to actually that part of your brain shrinking, which was what you see in Alzheimer's patients and dementia and people who have chronic depression, is that part of their brain is shrunk. Now, the good news is that our brain restores itself. And I've shared it before that every morning, his mercies are new every morning. You know why? Because every morning you get beautiful new baby neuron cells. So even when you might have made a mess of things, if you focus on what God says and focus your attention on that, those little baby neurons, brain cells, they actually are the ones that are activated and the other ones that have been causing um, you know, signals to go off the rest of their body, they settle down. And the new ones arc up. His mercies are new every morning. All right, so that's number one, is gather your thoughts because they're in the subconscious and we need to bring them, those thoughts that maybe we've been pushing aside or disappointment or hurts from the past, and we need to bring them into our conscious thought. You see why it's important that we have a day of rest? That's where we have time with God every day and we have time, we just rest and download every week. You know, I have an issue with the Australian National Anthem is that it says wealth for toil. God didn't ask us to toil. It's actually part of the curse. The blessing is that we don't have to toil. You know, the sweat of your brow and the a hard day's work, working like a dog. You know, and we think, yes! But it's actually not scriptural. Toil and working all the time and never having downtime and never having rest and never having reflective thought is what leads to brain damage and our neurotransmitters going crazy and sickness and disease and go see a nursing home and see how many people can't remember anything and have dementia and Alzheimer's and you'll see that that is not God's best. He says, I want you to live a full and abundant life, that you'll bear fruit in your old age, that you have fullness and overflowing life. Jesus came to give fullness and overflowing life. Get John chapter 10, 10. And it's like, that's what God designed for us. And we just listen to all the rubbish that the world and the enemy spews out of us, that this is what you're going to be like. This is what's coming. You know, it's like that we would bear fruit all through our life. 
I just get a bit passionate about that because, you know, it's like there is nobody who's past middle-aged in here as far as I'm concerned. A full life is not 70 or 80. That was, a, that was a set time that was put on Moses and the people and the people in the desert because they chose not to go into the promised land. And it got, it's been misconstrued by the church and society for years and years. It was only that generation that were to die at 70 or by reason of strength, 80. The rest of them lived way over 100. So come on now. Who's over 60? Well, you're just over middle-aged. There's no age limit. Amen. You've got stuff to do. You, we're just all spring chickens down here. You can get it. Huh? Except I saw like wings on eagles, don't we? Come on, Monica. <laughs> I'm going to get it converted. <laughs> never. Don't say never to me. <laughs> She's going to be an eagle supporter one day. All right, so number one is gather your thoughts. Number two is focused reflection. Your thoughts are subject to change. As I just said, for 24 to 48 hours, our thoughts are unstable and changeable. It's called neuroplasticity. You are not stuck with your thoughts. If you've had a hard day or a hard week, you're not stuck with what's happened. It is unstable, that thought, and it does not have to become part of who you are and your life and get into your spirit. It doesn't have to dictate who you are. The memory can shrink back as part of your attitude without being, it it can shrink back as your attitude to that thought. We are responsible for our thought life. We've been given free will on this. God could have said, oh, I'll just make sure nobody thinks anything because if they think stinking thinking, this is going to happen and this is going to happen in their bodies and it's going to affect how they relate to others. He could have just made it so he chose. But part of our free will is he gives us permission to choose what we're going to think about. When we think, we change. So think. Think more, people. Don't be little couch potatoes 24-7 when we just sit there like a blob and a bump on a log and just exist instead of living. God wants us to think. Think deeply. He's created us in his image, marvellous, unique creations, each one of us with our own personality and our own way of being able to work out things. And he says, think. Think deeply because when you think, you change. You want to change. You want to be that person that inside you know God has called you to be and the plans and purposes he's called you to have and you can see sometimes what God wants you to do. Well, think more. Think about it. Think about what is calling you back. Think about what is holding you down and change that according to what God says about you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's good and perfect will for you. Think. What are we going to do? Think. The deeper that we think, the more we change and the more change we can make. Because when we think, proteins are made and used to grow new thinking branches to hold our thoughts. Remember those little trees I talked about? When we think and we think positive, and we think according to what God's Word says, even if those thoughts have been there all your life, as a child something happened to you, you know when you start to think positive things, when you start to think, who I am I in God? What is the plan He from us? You know what starts to happen? Those negative thought patterns and negative effects that have been having on your life, they loosen up. It's like this glue, on, it's like this chemical protein that works as a glue in your brain. 
And those little thought trees, when you start to think deeply and focus and examine what you've been thinking about, no matter what's been happened in your life, no matter what you've been thinking previous, when you start to change and change your thinking according to what God says about you and positivity and hope and a future, that glue from the negative thought starts to loosen. So think, what am I thinking about? What is that there? I'm on it. My father went bankrupt over and over and again, and it was, it was not pleasant. But I've gone, no way. That thought's not going to stay there now, so I'm going to think on it and get rid of it so I get braver. <laughs> He's raising his eyebrows at me. The deeper we think, the more we change. Science confirms that we, when we can choose with our free will to interfere with genetic expression. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, bringing into captivity every thought, and that verse becomes a lot more important when you start to think about the effect it has on our cells and on our body. Bring into captivity every thought. I think about it like a butterfly net, and you've got all these thoughts swarming around in your brain, and you need to gather them in. Gather them in. And think about them. Focus thinking. We have to think, do I want to build memories out of this new information coming into my mind? Do I want that as part of my life? The thoughts that you've had today, the thoughts you've had this week, do you want them to become part of your life? If they're good thoughts, if they're positive thoughts, if there's hope and a future and God's doing something in your life, then think about them because as you think about them, the glue starts to come and they become part of your life and of your spirit. If you've thought negative things of death and, and defeat and fear and anxiety, do you want that to become part of your life? You've got to think about what you're thinking of. Because that memory, the new information coming into your mind, is actually going to become part of who you are. Imagining builds a physical thought. This is where you know, God's made us creative beings that we can see. When you visualise something, you know, if you know a surgeon or even like somebody presenting something, they're actually, if they're smart, they visualise doing something before they do it. It's powerful because that is building... Um, neurotransmitters are going off in your brain and they're building thought patterns because then it becomes just automatic. Somebody practices something. You know, an athlete or an elite or a pole jumper, you know, the guys run along with their poles and put it into the little hole in the ground and then flip over. Do you think they did that first time? They think. You can see them. They stand there and they watch and they're, they're going over what they're going to do. Why? Because when they think about what they're going to do, it sets thought patterns into their brain that releases chemicals, that releases to every cell of the body so everything becomes alert so they can run, stick that pole into that little hole and flip over. They've thought about it. They've visualised. If you have something in your life and you're trying to deal with it, you gather it in so that it comes into your conscious mind and you reflect on do you want that in your life and then you visualise, you go, okay, I want this to be gone. I'm going to visualise it going. I'm going to visualise the walls coming down on that. I'm going to visualise that thing going up in a puff of smoke. You visualise it and it goes. If you try and just go, oh, I just want that, don't want that anymore, and you, and you don't deeply think about it and deeply examine what's in your mind and bring it into the conscious, it's just a Band-Aid, and we're good at Band-Aid fixes. We love to Band-Aid fix. And it's like if we start to rehearse things mentally, 
and go, that's not going to become part of my life, and we do it every day. Now, this is not a quick fix. If you have something that's happened in your life, some abuse or disappointment or hurt, it actually takes time to work through your life. It takes time. So you have one memory that keeps on coming up. As you need to do this, you need to gather that memory in. You need to focus your thought of it and go, do I want that to become part of my life? And then you need to, to actually go, I'm going to visualize that going out of my life. If we try to just band-aid it and quickly brush it aside, that thought tree is still going to be there. So a healthy thought and a toxic thought can both be built with, into our life with mental rehearsal. You can tear down a toxic stronghold down by choosing to bring the thought into your conscious awareness for analysis and then changing it through repentance and forgiveness and applying the word to it. Your heart contributes to tearing down the toxic stronghold. It's not just to pump your heart. The world's told us the uh, the heart is just a pump. It's not. It helps with decision-making and choices, acting like a checking station for all the emotions generated by the flow of chemicals from your thoughts. Think about it. Your heart starts to race. Your stomach gets in knots. Every single cell is connected to the heart. And because your heart responds to and is controlled by your brain, every cell in your body is affected by your thoughts. Your heart is in constant communication with your brain and the rest of your body, checking the accuracy and integrity of your thought life. When you listen to your heart, it actually secretes a hormone that regulates blood pressure and can give you a feeling of peace. You know what Proverbs chapter 4.23 says? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the wellsprings of life. It's not just a pump. It actually, your thoughts affect your heart, which secretes a hormone that affects the rest of your body. The Bible knew that. God knew that. So focus thought. Write it down. Because when you write something down, that's number three, Number one is gather your thoughts. Number two is focus thought on what are you thinking about? Think. Number three is write down what you're thinking about because then you've got to use both sides of your brain and they work together, integrate together. Number four is revisit. It's all about wiring in what changes you want to make. Revisit that thought. What changes do I want to make? You get to design your new healthy thought to replace the toxic thought you want to get rid of. Thinking and thinking deeply and thinking how God wants us to think is all about redesigning, reorganizing and recreating the specific thought you are working on. When thoughts are pushed into the conscious mind, they actually enter an unstable state. You are not stuck the way you are. You are not just, this is who I am, like it or lump it. Science until recently has told us this is, you know, this is the way they are and this is the way they're going to be. It's just a personality. It's they've had abuse, they've had disaster, and this is the way they are. You're not, you don't, if you don't like the way you are, think about it and you can change. The Bible says that. He says you're a new creation, but we've got to think as a new creation because when you think I'm a new creation, all things have passed away, I'm a brand new being, then you actually start to be a new creation. You actually grab hold of who you are in Christ, that I've died to sin. 
that I'm not held back by all the past anymore. I'm not hampered by disappointments. I don't have to be afraid. Just because I saw things in my past or I've experienced that, we don't have to stay there because when we gather our thoughts, when we focus what we're thinking about, when we write it down and make sure our brain is working together and then we revisit and go, how do I want to live? What do I want to be like? Is that that glue loosens and loosens and loosens. The branches with all the memories and emotions are attached to a cell body with a type of protein, and that's the glue. There is more glue on the branches that are used the most. So when you shift your attention from the negative toxic thought to a positive healthy thought, a whole lot of electromagnetic signals and neurochemicals flow, and these chemicals weaken the toxic thought branch. Come on now. That's exciting. I know it's a lot of science, but we're bright people. We're made wonderfully and fearfully made, and we can take this in if we think. You're not stuck the way you are. You can change. The Bible said it all along, and science is saying, yes, it's actually true. We can change. We're not stuck. And God wants us to get hold of this because when we get rid of all that toxic thought, when God says something, we're going to be able to jump and run with it and run the race. And run the race that God has had. Not be like, I can't do that, God, because I'm afraid. I can't do that because, you know, nobody else has done that before. We'll go, yeah, I'm up for it. Come on. And that's how God wants us to live. Not be fearful, timid people. He says you're victorious. You're more than, you know, more than conquerors. Why does he say that? Because he knows what you're capable of if, he gets hold, if you get hold of how he's designed you to be. But we've got to deal with some stuff. And it's worth it. We don't have to stay stuck. Okay, so the glue is starting to be unstuck and it starts to move away from that toxic thought tree to the healthy thought tree that you've been busy. Number five is active reach. That's when you start to work on your toxic thought and you actually do something about it, not just, oh, I've got these terrible thoughts in my brain. What do I do with this now? Please don't stop there. This is the point where we kick that active, that, you know, that thought, but, and it goes. Because when you actively reach and do something, when you actively reach out and put what you have been visualizing and have realized is in your non conscious thought and you're brought it into conscious thought, and you realize that there, the active reach number five is to step and do something. I am not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn that little computer off in my brain that says, this is who I am, this is who I am, and I'm going to replace it with what God says I am. It's like, you know, you have a movie playing negative thoughts in your mind. Active reaches say, I choose to stop playing this movie, or I'm switching that movie off. I'm quoting a Bible verse that applies to it, or praying specifically. And with each one, and this is where the work comes on in, is that each thought pattern that you've had that you've let just slide, you have to take it and, and apply that active reach seven times a day for that. That's what they've found when they've counseled through people. It's seven times a day actively reach to replace that thought with a positive thing and the glue comes unstuck. 21 days, seven times a day. The glue comes unstuck and that negative thought process that you've been stuck in. Think about that. Well, you've been stuck in a pattern and habit of doing things all your life or you've had something bad happen or others around you and you live in fear 
or you live less than what God wants, you know God has planned for you, it takes work to work through things. But what God says is true. So take, gather in the thoughts and think about what you've been thinking about. Write it down. Focus on it. Revisit and go, what do I want to replace that thought with? And then go, I'm going to turn that thing off. I'm going to turn that movie off. This is who God says I am. This is what future I have. He says I have plans for you, plans to give you a hope and a future that you do not have to be afraid. There's a reason why it says 365 times in the Bible, fear not. One for every day. So take hold of what you're thinking and go, all right, I'm going to actively reach. And you've got to do that seven times a day until you set a new pattern and that glue goes from that negative thought where it just goes, and unsticks to being able to stick onto that positive thought tree. And then you're, you're, work, you're living in your new creation reality. Is that exciting? We're not stuck in who we are right now. I mean, I, all think, I think you're absolutely spectacular peoples. But we know the attitudes that we kind of try to hide. And every now and then they come out when we're under pressure. Yeah? Or you are, you're all angelic looking at me. You know, we need to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verse 10 says that. Be still. Gather in. Focus your thought. Think about it. Write down what you're thinking about. Now, I know not everybody's great at this. I don't know if guys do this. But write down what you're thinking about. Write it down. I've been having this thought, something that happened, you know. There's a reason why we're where we are. There's a reason why we're where we are. If you don't want to stay there, then think about it and change it. Mistake is we often just want to do the Band-Aid. But spiritual discipline is actually doing the work to get whole and healed. And I guarantee if you do that, if we do this, that God will get into our thoughts and be able to go, you know what, I've been waiting for you to get, get you know, grab hold of this. Because then we'll run and not grow weary. And then we'll have that life that we see other people living and go, I wish I could be like that. I wish that could happen. Well, he says it can. Gather your thoughts in. Bring them into the conscious mind. Focus and think about them. Write them down. Revisit them and say, do I want that to be part of who I am? Apply God's word to it and then actively reach and go, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm loved. I'm a child. I'm a man. I'm a woman of God. And he has hope and a future for each one of us. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for wisdom that brings revelation, Lord. And I thank you for revelation that brings transformation. Lord, I pray, even with all the science this morning, that that each one of us is able to grab hold of the importance of thinking because when we think, we can change. And Lord, those toxic things in our memories, those toxic thoughts, those toxic patterns, Lord, I pray that you would draw attention to them. And Lord, that we would apply these steps to ungluing them in our consciousness and building new thoughts and new patterns that affect from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We pray every need met in this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen.